Hello and shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. I'm your host, Joe Amon. We got a great show ahead, so buckle up and hang on. Here we go. Hey everybody, shalom. Welcome to this episode of Image Bearers Radio. My name is Joe Amon. I'm coming to you all the way from Out of Ashes Ministry in DeRitter, Louisiana, which if you're not familiar with Louisiana or where we are, if Louisiana is a boot, then where we are is kind of like the ankle bone of the boot. And so that's where we're coming uh, to you from every week. And uh, so welcome to this episode. This is episode 134 of Image Bearers Radio. And if you're wondering if if it's your first time uh, dropping by the podcast or the radio show, as it were, depending on where you're listening to this, uh, you might go, uh, wait, 134? Uh, Where where have you guys been? Well, we are privileged enough to be able to uh, have our show played live on Hebrew Nation Online every single week, uh, about four times a week, I think, four or five times a week. And you can go to Hebrew Nation Online. Uh, their website, and you can look at their schedule. There's a whole host of wonderful teachers. There's music. There's all kinds of great stuff there, and uh, I would encourage you to to check out some of the things that they have there. So we we uh, stream there every week, and um, then we also archive our podcast there to their website. Uh, we also archive our podcast to our website, which is outofashesministries.org, uh, and there's a podcast tab right there on the top of the page. Um, we also have our podcast goes out to YouTube and to uh, iTunes and to Google Podcasts and all over the place. So uh, if you're just stopping by for the first time, then welcome. Glad to have you here. Uh, This will be the second episode that will go up in video form as well as audio form. So uh, we're praying and we'll pray in just a second, but we're praying and crossing our fingers and toes as well that it all works out okay. Uh, And so if you uh, like the video format, we have that available for you. If you like just listening audio, that's available as well. Uh, And so I also want to say a huge thank you uh, to all of you guys who have been following the podcast uh, for a while. Thank you guys so much for just creating an awesome uh, community uh, and for being there and just being great. Uh, We hope that we do this for a long time and uh, hopefully the conversations have been helpful and the things that we're talking about even now uh, are helpful. So uh, welcome. If you uh, have not done so, I want to ask you to do a couple things for me. I know this is kind of cringy as the kids might say. I have teenage kids and they're like, well, nobody says that anymore, dad. But anyway, um, you know, when you get older, you get slower, right? You get more behind the times maybe. Um, so I, I want to ask you guys to please share these episodes. If they're helpful, share them with your friends. Maybe you have a group uh, that meets and it would be a good a way to discuss uh, things, you know, and, and use our podcast as a, as a discussion starter or to follow along with or something like that. Uh, and uh, also, if you have not joined us for Shabbat morning services. We live stream our Shabbat services every Shabbat, uh, with very rare exception, uh, at 10 a.m. Central. And uh, we have uh, worship and we have uh, blessing and prayer over the kids. Uh, we read the Parsha, the Haftarah, and the Gospels. And then uh, usually there's a short teaching at the end. And so um, it's a great 
great time of fellowship and just to be together with somebody on fellowship, on Shabbat rather. I know many of you don't have local fellowships and and that community is a real struggle for you. I, I talk to you guys every week and I hear from different people every week. And so if that's something that's interesting to you, um, drop by again our website, outofashesministries.org or our Facebook page or our YouTube channel. We multi-stream to all those places and uh, we'd love to have you guys uh, with us for Shabbat. Drop in the chat and say Shabbat Shalom. Let us know where you're uh, watching and listening from. All right, as is our custom before we get started into this episode, let us go before the Father and have just a moment of prayer. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and King, we bless you and thank you for this time. We are encouraged, Father, that every week that we get this time to come together to stretch our faith, to stretch our minds, and to think more about what it means to become your image bearer. Father, we pray that during this time together, you would grow us and increase us through Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen and amen. guys. So uh, as many of you will know, if you haven't been uh, with us for the last few weeks, or again, if it's your first time dropping by, you may not know uh, where we are in the podcast. Uh, And um, again, I just want to remind you, this is the second video version we have. So if you're watching this on video and you go, what do you keep looking at? Uh, I'm trying to make sure all the things are happening at one time uh, so we can get this thing as seamless as possible. So uh, again, if you aren't aware of kind of where we are, uh, and in the podcast, we are uh, on Shabbat. We are doing a series that uh, I've started uh, several weeks ago called "What Do You Want?" And uh, again, it is based from uh, John one, where a couple of disciples go to follow Yeshua, and he um, he turns to them and he says, "What are you, what are you looking for? What do you want?" And uh, there are some messages and some teachings that I have done over the last. Uh, several years, actually, that have been trying to get to uh, uh, some answers for me personally, not like scriptural answers. I mean, not answers as far as like, well, you know, who were the Nephilim or, you know, what is biblical cosmology? Those are not the answers that I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get to a an inner personal um, peace and okayness with with who we are, or who I am, what I'm doing, what do I think, and how do I think about Hashem? How do I think He thinks about me? Where do I fit in all this plan? And you know, really, kind of just some of those questions that we've many of us have been asking since we were in our teens and twenties. You know, still asking these same questions. And for once, it's kind of time to to get settled. Uh, this last Sukkot, uh, I also really felt like this was a year of increased observance. And so that's what this series started out to be. It started out to be a series about how we increase our observance. Because if we really say we believe X, Y, Z, then our lifestyle should line up with X, Y, Z. And many times, if we come from a a traditional Christian background, you know, many different varieties, we can have a really heavy emphasis on belief or faith, and not a big effort, uh, uh, not a big, uh, you know. Uh, emphasis on action and doing or obedience or 
observance or halakha. I mean, we spent a couple of episodes ago, we spent some time going through you know, a, a bunch of different synonyms for when I say observance, what could el- what could you know, what also could those words be that helps you kind of connect a little better. So uh, that's where we are. Uh, and then I was recommended this book uh, by James Clear called Atomic Habits. Uh, and I've said before on the podcast, I, I don't know James Clear. I don't know anything about him. I, I Even after reading the whole book and going through it, this is my third time going through it in the last about three months. And, and guys, I'm not a reader. If you listen on Shabbat, you know that I'm not a big reader. But um, even after all those times reading it, I've never even looked him up like online and stuff because it really doesn't matter to me a whole lot as to what his theology is or if he has a theology or what he believes, etc. Um, this book has been unbelievably helpful. Uh, for me kind of putting some things together. And so I encourage you guys to grab the book uh, if you can and uh, and start working through it. It's very easy to read. Uh, it's laid out very well, and I think it can be, uh, really, be really helpful uh, for you. We will read some excerpts from, you know, the, the book uh, at certain times and when it's necessary, but that's kind of where we are. So uh, now that we're all caught up, uh, we want to kind of continue where we left off last week. So the big question last week was, um, are, you, are you right now in a season, are you the, the type of person right now who wants to, be, to grow in your image-bearing capacity, or are you the kind of person who is an image bearer and you're just trying and you, and you're, you're, you see yourself as that. Um, we talked about a couple weeks ago, you know, the difference between a person who's trying to quit smoking and they say, no, I'm trying to quit versus a person who is trying to quit smoking and says, uh, no, I'm not a smoker. Right. And I told you my own personal story about dipping and how it started to really change for me when, uh, I, I longed, I fought to break that habit for so long for years. And it finally started to break for me when I realized this is not who you are. And I started telling myself that. So is, is growing in our image bearing capacity. Now remember, really important to remember when we talk about image bearing and likeness bearing that, you alone and I alone are not the image of Hashem, right? We together as humanity, actually, if we if we we can read the we can read Genesis that way, that all humanity is the image of Hashem. Uh, but if that doesn't fit your theology, we can talk about all believers representing the image image of Hashem. However, it works. It's not you and I individually. We are individuals who make up that. And so our part is incredibly important. Number one, because Hashem values the individual. He values you. He values you. He he values you so much that he created you in a way that nobody else is. You're unique and incredible and wonderful and peculiar and interesting and, and quirky and all those things. And every one of us has those different parts of Hashem's fingerprint. And that is exactly why we are important, but we are not alone. And so it takes all of us to bear his image and likeness, right? So that's really important. So we, we asked ourselves the question last week, are we someone who, who wants to be an image bearer or are we someone who is an image bearer who is trying to figure out how to do it better? how to come together, how to understand ourselves better and Hashem better, and how to think about what we're doing a little better. So this week we want to talk about 
begin our talk about identity. Now, this series did not start out as an identity series. This series started out, um, again, as an observant series, but it is quickly turned in, it has quickly turned into an uh, identity series. And just a reminder that if you've not followed us on Shabbat, we're doing the same thing. the same series and the same themes during Shabbat, our Shabbat teachings, uh, but we're seven or eight weeks behind. Uh, so if you want to watch those, if you're watching those, you're, you're ahead, but these are a little bit different because they allow me to get some feedback from you guys and allow me to kind of broaden or hone in on different things that I need to to touch on on your feedback, which is really cool and really helpful. So this week, we're going to start our discussion about identity. And the, we're going to start out with the statement that true behavior change, because we're talking about acting like the image of God, being bearing our, our stewarded part of God's image, behavior change is identity change. So we've talked about this idea that there are three phases of change. That was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we can change our outcomes. We can change our processes. We can change our identity. All three of those are good. Check, check, check. We can do each and every one. The question is, which one is more sustainable and which one fits where we are right now? Again, this series started out as what was going to be a process change. We were going to change our level of observance, and that was going to change who we are and change our outcomes as far as bearing God's image better. And again, this is becoming more of an identity talk. Um, but identity and process is really close together in my mind. And so we want to change our behaviors, but we want to change our behaviors in light of who we are. And we want those things to match. And I think one of the hardest thing, one of the things that people uh, struggle with the most, whether in a faith community or people that are not in a faith community that are looking to us in a particular community, you know, a church or a fellowship or Shabbat, you know, group or whatever, or, you know, a group of believers is they're looking for are what they do, what they say they believe match what they do and how they act. Right. And I mean, that is the age old issue, right? That's the age old thing that, that we want those two things to line up. We want them to be congruent. And so, when we're talking about identity and behavior, we want our true behavior change to come from our identity. We see ourselves as these people. We are these people, right? And the scripture is full of things that God calls us as believers. You are holy. Just think of 1 Peter 2.9, one of my favorite verses. Uh, you, are a, uh, you were no longer a people. Now you are a people, a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. And so, wow, God calls us a lot of things, right? Uh, The Pauline epistles are full of things that God calls us that we know that we are not yet. And so there's always this gap between the the ideal man, the ideal woman, the ideal human that Hashem wants us to strive to be, the fullness of Messiah, and we're gonna talk about those verses maybe this week or next week. But there's a gap between those, those places and where we actually are, right? The, the age-old struggle of, well, like, I was born again, and, you know, the Scripture says that all the old is gone, the new has come, but there's still a lot of old stuff in here and how we deal with those transitions. Listen, that's a part of life. That's a part of growing. 
we don't negate that we are still full of that old us or those old habits or those old ways of thinking. Yes, that is who we are. And part of this identity, you know, uh, this stretch of the series that we're going to talk about identity for the next several weeks is going to, I'm going to ask you to do some really hard work. It's going to be a lot of self-analysis. It's going to be a lot of looking inward, looking at yourself and saying, okay, who am I now? And, and actually making some lists and doing some work on, on who you actually are, realizing where you are. Because you can't really get somewhere new until you know where you're starting from, right? So, you know, who we are uh, is, is a really big deal when it relates to how we act and vice versa. And we have to realize that, that this thing about atomic habits you know, is, is this idea that um, it's small improvements that we make, small improvements that we make in our behavior, our observance, our halakha, but also small improvements on how we believe about ourselves. Small things that, that, temp, that, are, that are, are not temporary, but they are small, small enough to be permanent, right? This, uh, changes that are small enough to be permanent. Because the thing is, if you make too big of a change too quick, you can't sustain it. And so we have to make small changes that eventually be, they, they, they last long enough to become who we are, right? So, you know, this, I get this question all the time, and I want to just share my heart for a few minutes about ministry. Um, you know, I started, um, many of you don't know my background, but uh, my mom, you know, beautiful woman who uh, prayed and brought me to church. I was in church all the time as a kid. And um, my dad, who was not a believer most of my growing up, um, but uh, played, you know, music in bar rooms on the weekends. And, you know, we spent a lot of time at the hunting camp with only only the guys and, you know, just a lot of stuff that uh, I would hear on Sunday mornings that my dad's lifestyle did not teach me or, or opposite things maybe that it taught me. But um, he's a great dad, and, and thankfully I still have both my parents. But um, I've I lived in kind of both sides of this thing, and I taught my first lesson um, to a youth group when I was fifteen, and you know from there that's when my ministry really began. My call to ministry was years before that. I knew it as a kid, and so I've, I'm forty three now. I'll be forty four next week, um, and so. You know, I've been doing ministry for however long that is, almost 30 years. And uh, you might say, well, now I see you on video. Ah, you don't look that old. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> I hope I don't. Um, but, you know, been doing ministry for a long time. Um, and if I can say anything about ministry, uh, it is a contact sport. <laughs> ministry is a contact sport. Um, it is not glamorous. Uh, it is not, you know, the things that uh, we maybe tell kids that it is or that we try to portray that it is, you know, in some kind of way. Ministry is a contact sport. There are some wonderful highs. There is a beautiful fulfillment. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything else as my primary, um, you know, way of living, my primary existence, but this, but ministry. This is who I am and what I do. Um, and, and and people say all the time, well, like, how do you do this? How do you get the criticism? And how do you, you know, how do you, the aloneness? Because, you know, in ministry, it's, and it's not me complaining. It's just me just, again, sharing my heart and kind of being open. Ministry is not a thing where you just, you know, you can be uber close with everybody. You want to be close with everybody, but, 
you know, there's a lot of pain involved in ministry. Um, because uh, someone who is a pastor, who is a teacher, we give ourselves wholly to our, you know, our mission and to the people that we're involved with. And that's not always reciprocated. So anyway, the, the whole point of this was that, you know, ministry is not something that we do, my wife and I do, because we have a local congregation that expects us to meet every Shabbat. It's not something that we do because we have a beautiful online community that expects us to live stream every Shabbat. We don't do ministry because you guys are here. We do ministry because it's who we are. We teach and we study and we we test and we we experiment with with you know I, biblical ideas and stuff and we debate with ourselves and amongst friends and all that to bring you guys things that you don't have the time maybe because you work and you have you know you you have a, a different lifestyle, a different calling. We, this is our portion of image bearing. So it's not because you are, 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 are here or not here. It's because this is what we do. And it took me a long time to realize that that was the key to doing ministry um, freely and, and for it to be really as fulfilling as it could be, is that it's not about who's here or not here. Is Are you going to do it because it's who you are? A good test for you know why you do something is, Take a um, uh, take a break and do something else for a while. And if you have to come back to that first thing, that's what you're supposed to be doing, right? And so this is who I am. I know that about me. My question to you guys is, who are you and what are you supposed to be doing? What is your part of image bearing, right? Um, our our Who we are and what we do in life reflects our behaviors about our identity. It reflects who we believe we are, right? What we do is an indication of the type of person we believe we are. That is a massive statement because again, during this, during this, these series, these next few weeks, I'm going to ask you to really do some hard work about looking at yourself and asking yourself, who am I? And there's going to be some stages to this they're going to get really tough and really uncomfortable, but they're really helpful. I think they're necessary for where we are and for what we're doing. So the question is, or the, the statement is that our, our behavior, what we do in life, how we interact with the outside world and with people and even with Hashem is a reflection of the type of person we believe we are. That is huge. When our behavior, we talked about this a minute ago, when our behavior and our identity are fully aligned, when they are the same thing, when who we believe we are is the same thing as what we are doing and we don't feel fake or false or there's no rub there, when that happens, we are no longer pursuing change, but we are acting like the person that we already believe ourselves to be. Wow. What an incredible, incredible statement. Let me ask you guys this. Just, I just, obviously you can't answer me directly, but you can answer yourself. So hopefully this is safe for you. And let me ask you if in this Torah walk, if you've ever felt like a little bit like a fake or a phony. During this Torah walk, have you ever felt like, I just don't know. Like, if I should be, if this is who I'm supposed to be, I don't know. Like, am I trying to be Jewish without being Jewish? Am I, like, uh, I just don't know. Has it ever been a rub for you? 
if maybe you, you know, you started lighting candles or you started doing some more Jewish stuff and you really kind of felt a rub or maybe you just really struggle with like you felt like you turned your back on Yeshua because you're worshiping on Shabbat instead of on Sunday. Has there been places where there's been this rub, right? This is why this statement is so incredible. Whenever we, our behavior and I, our identity, so we could be doing the Torah things, but our identity has not caught up yet. Or we could identify as a Torah, you know, pursuing or a Torah keeper, but our behavior hasn't caught up yet. So either one of those, there can be incongruencies. But when those two things line up, we are no longer trying to change one part of who we are, but we're actually like the stars align, right? And the angels sing, hallelujah. And we actually are, we are, we are who we are at that point. And then living this life is not, is not difficult. It becomes the rhythm. It becomes who we are. It becomes this beautiful dance that we do. And it's enjoyable and fulfilling. Then we actually start making progress. We're not just circling the mountain. We actually enter the promised land, so to speak, when, we, when our identity and our behavior, uh, when the two become one, right? as it were. All right? So we're going to move on with this conversation after the break. So I invite you not to go anywhere anywhere, but stick around and we'll be right back in just a moment. All right, guys, so that statement is so profound, and I want to just make sure that you sit in that for a little while. And this is, doesn't just go for Torah observance. This doesn't just go for, uh, you know, religious. This is in every area of life, um, which is why I love this book so much, is because, you know, the author, Mr. Clear, whatever he believes is not addressing religious religious issues and but yet when I read it that's the that's the things that I get because that's where my mindset is right you may read this and go like oh this is a game changer for me at my job or this is a game changer for me in my relationships or whatever when I read it because of of how I'm wired and what Hashem has called me to do I read it and I I read it in a religious context and go like gosh we need this so much we need this so much. It's psychology. And I don't know what tradition you come from, but depending on which one it is, psychology may or may not have been taboo, right, for you. Um, but it is beautiful and it is from God and it is helpful. And so um, we want to adopt, we want, we want to make sure that our identity and our halakha are, are matching. Those, that is such, an, that is such a, a, a profound thing. You know, as a parent, um, maybe you, you want to be a certain type of parent, but you, you, you don't have the discipline or you lack the, you know, the motivation or the, the things that we talked about a few weeks ago about, you know, the inspiration, motivation, you lack those, maybe you're, you're inspired every once in a while to go like, oh yeah, I want to be that kind of parent that reads to my kids every night. And maybe you see a commercial or you talk to a friend or something, then you get inspired. And so for a, a night or two, maybe you do that and it falls off. And, and, and there's a rub there. When I say a rub, those are the kind, and it kind of bothers you because there's an ideal that you have and yet 
you the actions don't line up or um you're doing things but you go like this is just not me man i just maybe you work at a job and you have to you have your your career your occupation is just a world of stuff that just doesn't fit it's just not you you it's it's drudgery right to go to work every day and you just go like what am i doing why am i wasting my life here that's an area where your behavior what you're doing doesn't match your identity and there's a rub there there's a there's a, there's a cognitive dissonance almost there and so once we have adopted an identity um it can be easy to let our allegiance to that identity uh, impact our ability to change. Many people walk through life in a cognitive slumber, blindly following the norms attached to their identity. And so this week, I'm going to ask you guys to do the first little part of our homework, and that is to start an inventory. Start a self-audit. And really try to get a snapshot of who you are, because this statement is incredibly, again, incredibly profound. So when we've adopted a certain identity, then it's, we, we develop an allegiance to that identity. Now, that identity may be a really positive one, or it may be super toxic, uh, what do I mean by that? Well, we've all, I'm sure, known at some point, we've all known those people that uh, their life is just, it's just traumatic. It's just chaotic, right? All the time. It's just chaos, 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 chaos. It's always something. Their vehicles are broken down. Their relationships are a mess. Their kids are a wreck. Uh, the inner, just in, inside, they're depressed and anxious. That you know, it's just, it's just always something. There, there's, and you go, well, like, you know, you could change these things, but they never do, right? And it's almost a victim mentality that has become their identity, and that's who they are, and they are loyal to that identity. They are loyal to that identity. Even though it's toxic, it's toxic for them, mostly because you have to live in this victim world, and a victim mentality is incredibly damaging, to us, to our psyche, to our emotions, to our mental state. Um, it's incredibly damaging. And yet some people are hyper loyal and allegiant to that type of identity, right? And, and so it hurts the people around you as well. It hurts your relationship with Hashem um, and causes you to think about Hashem and read the Bible through a victim lens, and boy, will you come out with some weird and crazy and out there beliefs and, and, and toxic, again, I hate to keep using that word, but toxic beliefs if that's your lens. If you read scripture through a, 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 and pray and connect with God through a victim lens, that can be really a rough way to live. Um, but, you know, this can even happen in denominations. Um, maybe your identity religiously is, you know, a Pentecostal or your identity religiously is, you know, whatever, Lutheran or, you know, whatever, or Messianic. Or maybe your identity religiously is Hebrew roots. And you are so loyal to that identity religiously that you only listen to teachings and listen to things, study, Bible studies and stuff, or you only do Bible studies that support that 
uh, that identity that you're already loyal to, right? This is the, uh, you know, the, the echo chamber. We create an echo chamber for ourselves. Um, you know, um, politically, people on the left and right are accused of living in an echo chamber, where if you're a liberal, you only listen to other liberals because they reinforce what you believe, and it's a safe, happy place. Conservative, same way. Well, religiously, we have those as well. They're called denominations. Um, but then we have them personally as well, where we create a, a group of people or a group of teachers or a, a sphere of influence religiously that only support what we believe, right? What we already believe, and it's confirmation bias, right? So we do that with identity. But maybe you are a person who identifies as a failure. And maybe that's what's been taught to you. Maybe that's what you've been told you are. Or maybe that's just what you have developed as a way of, uh, of defending yourself against the possibility of failure for trying something new. Or against maybe even the possibility of success because you're not sure that you know what to do with success if you actually achieved it. And so we will identify as, you know, we have an identity, but we become loyal to it. And it makes it, it makes it super hard to change that identity once we have an allegiance to it. You know, the other option uh, that, that we talk about that I read in the statement is that some people just walk around in a, a slumber, a mental slumber or an, uh, a, an identity slumber, right? Just... You're doing what you do because that's what somebody told you you should. Or those are the the norms, the cultural norms attached to the identity that you have. And again, this could go for, you know, maybe you grew up in a rural area. So you, you know, the identity that is attached to that is, you know, a certain occupation or a certain field of occupations. Um, it's a certain way of speaking. It's a certain way of dressing. You, we see this with, with you know, generations, especially as we get older, some of us. Um, we see it with younger generations. You know, like right now, uh, the big rural trend is, you know, all the guys wear, having a you know, massive mullet and a flat-billed uh, baseball cap or, you know, or, or cap. Um, that every, you know, it seems like every guy in high school has this massive fluffy mullet and this flat brim hat. And if that's not where you are, then it is definitely here in the South. Um, but that's an identity, right? Those, there are norms that are attached to that identity, right? Um, if you live in a certain type of neighborhood, you have to keep your yard a certain kind of way or whatever. You may hate doing yard work, but that's attached. That's a norm that's attached to your identity, right? So we, we, we have to, part of this whole conversation um, you go like, where's the biblical part of this? Where's the image bearing part of this? <laughs> is this all psychology? Well, um, y- yeah, uh, it is. What I, what I want to do though, is I want to walk us through these steps because many of us didn't get this education in church and we needed it in the church. We needed it to understand Paul says, um, you are dead to your sins and Messiah. And we all go, Great. But then we wake up the next morning, we look at ourselves in the mirror and we go, but I am a sinner. How cognitively, spiritually, emotionally, 
I want to be dead to sin, but I know who I really am. How do we deal with that? How do we, how are we supposed to handle that? Well, for many of us, it's just been a massive struggle. Either we see ourselves as these loathsome individuals that are worth nothing, or we just kind of we go to, into a cognitive slumber and we just kind of check out and we just go to church because that's a norm attached to our identity. Oh, you're a Christian? Oh, well, then you should go to church. Yeah, but I don't engage. I don't even know how to think about the stuff they talk about in church. I don't understand. I don't know if I agree even. Because you see, we're, we, we, may not, we may be just going through the motions, but it's an identity we are still allegiant to. We're still attached to. You and I have been ourselves, so we understand this. We have been good, sincere, God-seeking and God-fearing people in our Sunday churches. And I always say that there's kind of, I feel like there's kind of three classes of people in, in the typical kind of Christianity. And there's, this is probably an overgeneralization. If you disagree or if you'd like to expand on it for me, then drop it in the comments. But, you know, there are those people that just are in it. They just love God. They love their pastor. They love each other. They're just in it. They're, ju- they're where they should be legitimately. And, and, and you know, they're, they're where they should be. They're thriving in their relationship with God. Wonderful. There are the opposite end of the spectrum, the, 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 you know, where people go like, I don't believe any of this anymore. Just due to, you know, a lot of different factors. People come to that all the time. Every week people are sitting in pews going like, I don't think I believe this anymore. And so I'm going to expand my own and say four categories. So that's, that's, so the question is, what do you do as that person? Well, many of those people just walk away. They just go, there's, there may be something to some of this. I don't think if there's any, I don't know if there's any of it, anything to any of it, but I'm not doing this anymore. And they just walk away. Now, they may, they may go the agnostic route. They may go the atheist route. Or you know what? They just may go like, I believe there's a God. I just don't understand how it works. And all I see is division. And all I see is disagreement. And, and why so many church, people have legitimate questions about how this stuff works. The problem is that if there's they're not in a place that 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 uh, you know um, encourages thinking and questions and debate and 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 talking through these issues, they just check out and they may be great and wonderful people, but you never see them in a church except for special occasions, maybe. And so you know they go that way. Then the third classification of people is kind of us and. We are the ones that said, no, we, we, we love God and we love the scriptures and, and we love community and all that kind of stuff, but we don't agree with what we see being taught. We don't think it's the same thing as scripture. So instead of just sitting here and either just taking whatever the pastor says or sitting here and just, you know, some people just, they go like, I can't leave but I don't really connect. So I just, I'll just sit here. I'll just come to church and I'll just do my thing. I just disconnect and I'll just do my thing and they die on the vine. And then there's, we're the fourth category. 
So you got the people that really love this, you know, really are in it. They're in the right place. They're thriving. You got the people that just disconnect, still good people, but just can't deal with all the, the, the stuff. Then you got the third group, which can't leave, but are really not connected. Then you have us that goes like, no, we, 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 we want it. We want to stay connected to Hashem. We want to stay connected to community. And so we're going to go down the hard road of actually asking the questions. And if this pastor, if this church, if this denomination won't answer and debate the questions with us and honestly and sincerely talk about scripture, we're going to go find someone who will, or we're just going to, we're going to find another group of believers, right? So the knowing these things are very important and understanding how we as human beings were built to work from an emotional, spiritual, mental standpoint, it's very important. And that's why we're going, taking the painstaking time to do these talks. So while we're talking about this stuff, I want you to be asking yourself these questions. I want you to think, is what he's saying, is what PJ is saying, is that me? By the way, PJ, Pastor Joe, I got that nickname when I was a youth pastor for all those years, and it just has kind of followed me. So there you go. Hey, I'm PJ. All right, so um, we are. do you have identities that you are so loyal to that it hinders you from changing? Is the loyalty to the identity that you have so strong that it keeps you from going, is this the healthy identity? Should I have this identity? Is this a good one to have? Right? Okay. And how, how is what I'm doing reflecting back on that? Okay. Because we all tell ourselves a narrative. We all have a narrative we hear about, you know, um, government propaganda and the government narrative. We hear about biblical narratives and what the Bible is trying to tell us. But you have a story that you are telling yourself. You have a movie uh, or a series of scenes that are running in your mind probably all the time. And those scenes are generally what is ideal for you, what you feel like is ideal for you today or tonight or this week or this month or this year or this next 10 years or until the next milestone, major milestone, until your kids graduate or until, you know, whatever. We all have a series of scenes of what is ideal, what is reality, maybe how it could be worse. We all have these flows of things that are running in, running through our mind and we're all, we're trying to figure out which one of those is reality. And so the story that we tell ourselves is that it makes these mental grooves for us. And we accept those things, those, once those grooves are made in our minds, they become reality for us and they become fact for us. And then what we do is that becomes reality. That's the, the identity we become loyal to or allegiant to. And then we resist or we push away um, other actions that are incongruent with that reality because that's not who I am, right? That's not who I am. And there is an internal uh, stress. There's an internal uh, pressure to uh, maintain the identity that you are loyal to and to behave in a way that is consistent with that identity. So that's kind of a mouthful, but I hope, I hope it makes sense for you. You know, the story that we tell ourselves. So we've talked about what your identity is. We've talked about kind of what you believe about yourself and how that, you know, have norms and how those actions work. But how do we come about that identity? 
Well, we come about that identity through the story that we tell ourselves. You know, you can be abused verbally, mentally, and people can tell you that you are a failure, that you are a mistake, that you, you know, they can tell you that over and over and over. But God, in his ultimate wisdom, has given us such a strong mentality or the ability to have a strong mentality that we can resist. We can resist what other people say if we are strong enough. When we really start to, to fall apart in our identity and who we are, our personhood, is whenever we start telling ourselves that story. If somebody says you're a failure and you can, you can puff out your chest and you can say, I might have failed, but I'm not a failure. That's one thing. But if somebody says, what a failure, and you, and you, you inside your brain start telling yourself you're a failure. And every time you go to do something, you go, yeah, but I'm a failure though. This probably won't work. This probably won't happen because I'm a failure. It's the story you tell yourself that becomes ingrained. That's what makes the grooves in your brain, not necessarily what other people tell you. It's what you tell yourself that, that can cause the most damage, right? And so when we have these, these things, if it's failure, if it's inadequacy, or it's unlovability, or if it's shame, or whatever those things may be on a negative uh, thing, then, that, then, then we don't do healthy things because because that's not who we are, right? That's not who we are. I'll, we'll flip it then and we'll say, you know, if you are a person who tends towards a lot of self-confidence, um, even almost to, the, almost to the point of arrogance, but I'm not going to say arrogance because that's just like one of the seven deadly sins, right? It's one of the card, you know, you know, everything is pride, is pride. Everything is arrogance. It's not, but that's sometimes the way we think about it. But maybe you're a person that really is confident. You just have a lot of confidence, and you're, I'm not going to say you're narcissistic, but maybe you just, you see yourself as the, uh, as having the ability to think logically and to make good decisions. And maybe you do have all those skills, but maybe you are confident to a fault where the story you've told yourself so much is that you are right. You do make the right decisions. You are gifted. You are talented. You are the best. You are, which to be honest with you, I wish more of us had some of those qualities, but that can be a danger as well because you are blinded then to the areas that you are weak that are actually sabotaging you from just absolutely killing what God has called you to do, right? We can't become so overconfident so we, we can't be so damaged that we wallow in our ineffectiveness, but then we can't be so overconfident that we don't understand that I, I may be good in some areas, but I have some weaknesses. Um, and so it's about, so that's why this self audit, this self inventory is so important that you actually start making a list. I don't want you to do it mentally. I want you to write it down, put it in your notes app on your phone or, or in your computer, I'd rather you just start a journal or get a legal pad or something where you can put physical pen to paper and write down, this is what I believe about myself right now. This is who I am in one column, maybe. put This, this, is, this is what I believe about myself. Chit, 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 chit. Write it all down. In the other column, maybe, or on a different page or in some other place, let's 
let's do some analysis on about what we do. What are our actions? This is how I act in certain situations. And if you don't know, um, you don't know what that is, then just track yourself for a day or two. Track yourself when you're alone and what thoughts you have, what be, become really sensitive to your own thoughts and feelings. Track yourself whenever you're around a group of people, family, friends, maybe your fellowship or your church. Notice how you respond versus how you identify and see where there are some mismatches, see where there are some incongruencies. Here's the thing is that if we want to change, and I believe everybody listening to this wants to be better. The problem is I can't tell you what that looks like for you. You have to come on this. You have to figure out what identity looks like for you. I can't do that. I can't give you an identity. So you have to do the work to figure out where there are rubs, where there are gaps between what, how you act and how you believe about yourself or believe about other people, right? That identity behavior gap. Because here's the kicker. We will find ways to avoid contradicting that uneasiness. What do I mean? Well, the biggest barrier to actually progressing and changing at any level is an identity conflict. That's the problem. Uh, with changing at any level, small or big, you know, positive or negative. Um, you know, you can listen to me and, and listen to things I'm saying or read, you know, read the book or even, heck, we can read scripture and go like, yep, those things are po- The fruit of the Spirit, yep, those are positive things. Patience, yep, love, yep, all those things are, are patience. They make good rational sense. But if they conflict with what you believe about yourself, with your identity, then you will fail to put them into action. <laughs> and so again, like this is this is really hard work. Okay. So this week I want you guys to do this homework. I want you to make a start making a list, become really in tune with yourself, know who you are, realize how you react to different things. And I want you to start doing some analysis, breaking this down. If you've already done this because you listen to us on Shabbat, maybe go back now after it's been six weeks or so, do it again. And let's get a good picture of who we are so that we know where we're going. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh, 134. We'll see you back again next week. Until then, shalom, shalom. Shalom.